0: Hello!
1: Welcome to Discovering Jazz, where you and I together discover great music, picking up information to keep jazz old and new alive. My name is Larry Sadman, here in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, sponsored by Peterborough Independent Podcasters. We've all heard of so many stories of jazz artists who have left us due to drugs, violence, and sudden accidents, so I thought it would be interesting to talk about some of them. Then again, There are so many who have lived healthy and, for the most part, normal lives, eventually dying a natural death. I don't know if jazz musicians are at higher risk than any other artist, or for that matter, doctors, lawyers, accountants, computer technicians, or blue-collar workers, but normal life cycles don't make the headlines, do they? In these next few episodes, I'll talk about jazz musicians who died in ways that seem less than natural. But rather than just focusing on how they died, I'll also focus on how they lived and on how they were an inspiration. And most importantly, I want to play their music. Let's start with the legendary tenor saxophonist John Coltrane, who left us at the age of 40. Saxophonist and bandleader Jimmy Heath used to tell people that Coltrane practiced 25 hours a day. And uh, Coltrane became without a doubt the world's most famous saxophonist. He died of liver cancer, which was believed to have been caused by his past use of heroin and alcohol. But Coltrane had an amazing understanding of mathematics and physics. There's a book called The Jazz of Physics, where the author, physicist Stefan Alexander, describes how Coltrane's study of Einstein's theory of relativity inspired some of his later albums. He describes how, quote, in his song, Jupiter, one can hear Coltrane literally channeling the orbits of Jupiter's moons in his improvisation, unquote. Well, maybe literally might be an exaggeration, but give a listen. John Coltrane from Interstellar Space, recorded in 1967, the year of his death, Jupiter. John Coltrane, Jupiter, a man who, despite his fame and the influence he had on jazz, left us way too soon, at the age of 40. There have been some very dramatic deaths within the jazz world. A great animated film that I saw was basically about the birth of Latin jazz. It was called Chico and Rita, and uh, one scene... The great Cuban percussionist, Chano Pozo, goes to New York and, along with Dizzy Gillespie, introduces this Cuban music to the American jazz world. And only a year later, in 1948, the film shows uh, him accusing a drug dealer of selling him cheap marijuana, then that drug dealer later shooting him dead. A true story. His American jazz career was short, but his legacy was long. Chiano Pozo's most famous tune. The 1947 recording of what was billed as being by Dizzy Gillespie and his orchestra, but was written and sung by Cianopozo. Pozo, uh, who's also on percussion. It's called Manteca. I've played it before on this podcast, and here it is again. Manteca. Anteca, dizzy Gillespie with Chano Pozo, the first Afro-Cuban jazz hit from nineteen forty-seven. Next, an amazing guitar player I had the pleasure of meeting and talking with personally when he spent a few months playing and hanging out here in Edmonton in the early nineteen seventies, I believe, Lenny Bro originally from the U.S., but spent much of his life in Canada, especially Winnipeg. He was known for his playing of a seven-string guitar and blending so many musical styles, flamenco, jazz, classical, and country. He started out as the guitar player for an old-time country group, led by his parents, Hal Lone Pine and Betty Cody. He died under mysterious circumstances. He was found dead at the age of 43 in the rooftop swimming pool of his apartment building, Los Angeles, in 1984. Initial speculation was accidental drowning or suicide, but an autopsy determined he had been strangled, then dumped in the pool. An investigating detective stated that his abusive ex-wife, Jewel, was the prime suspect, but there was never enough evidence to charge her. Guitarists would listen in awe, and many who only heard him and didn't see him swore that it had to be two guitars or that it was double recorded. It wasn't. It was just him. He had an uncanny ability to play the melody, chords, and bass line all at the same time. Here's an example from his first album, a live album from 1969, his version of a tune written by country guitarist and singer Jerry Reed, The Claw. You can hear his whispered counting between the improvised solo and the main melody or head. Lenny Bro. <laughs> The Great Lenny bro B-R-E-A-U. This week, talking about how certain jazz musicians lived and died. Next, one of the great band leaders of all time, trombonist Tommy Dorsey. Dorsey had a lot of violence in him, and there are many accounts of various fights he had where he inflicted injuries on friends and family. And most witnesses would claim to have seen nothing some of the objects of his violence were said to be his wives, of whom he had three. While well, I ended up reading somewhere that his death in 1956 at age 51 was a result of choking to death while venting anger towards his estranged third wife, Jane. I couldn't find any confirmation. The official cause of death was choking to death in his sleep, a result of his being on sleeping pills plus having eaten a huge Italian meal. Let's play something from the Tommy Dorsey band in its heyday, one of his greatest recordings, and one I grew up with, having had it on a 78 RPM record. From 1937, it's a song adapted from a Rimsky-Korsakov opera. It's called Song of India, Tommy Dorsey and his orchestra. ¶¶ Tommy Dorsey and his orchestra, Song of India, from 1937, with Bunny Berrigan taking that lead trumpet solo. Where many jazz musicians' deaths were directly related to their musical lifestyle, some died prematurely due to accidents that had little to do with them being jazz musicians. Such was the case for Swedish pianist Esbjorn Svensson whose trio was the very first European jazz combo to ever make the front page of Downbeat magazine, the world's famous jazz magazine. That was in 2006. On the 14th of June 2008, Svensson went missing during a scuba diving session outside Stockholm. His diving companions, including his 14-year-old son, eventually found him lying unconscious on the seabed and he was rushed to hospital where he could not be saved. He was 44 years old, married, and the father of two sons. Here's from a 2002 album called Strange Place for Snow. The tune is called Bound for the Beauty of the South, with Daniel Berglund on double bass, Magnus Ostrom, percussion, and the late Esbjorn Svensson on piano. lovely. The Esbjörn Svensson Trio, also known as EST, led by the late pianist. This is Discovering Jazz, today playing tracks from great artists who either died prematurely or under particularly tragic or unusual circumstances. Let's talk about Eddie Jefferson, the man who introduced jazz vocalese to the world. This involved putting lyrics to jazz solos and singing them, Jefferson was also known for writing lyrics for a lot of famous jazz melodies, and along with John Hendricks, was probably one of the most prolific, prolific jazz lyricists. His death was particularly shocking as he was coming out of a jazz nightclub, Baker's Keyboard Lounge in Detroit, and the company of alto saxophonist Richie Cole, with whom he had played at the club that night, and he was shot dead. The year was 1979. The suspect who was later acquitted, was identified as a disgruntled dancer who Jefferson had fired from a gig. Jefferson recorded a few albums, I have a couple of them in my collection, but never achieved the fame that he deserved. He's best known for writing lyrics to a James Moody solo in his version of I'm in the Mood for Love, which became a tune in itself called Moody's Mood for Love, and was a hit for King Pleasure. Rather than play that hit song, I want to play one of the last records he ever made, a recording on an album by Richie Cole. This is Relaxin' at Camarillo from an album called Hollywood Madness, recorded in 1979. It's a Charlie Parker tune, where Eddie Jefferson does some great scat singing. at Camarillo with Eddie Jefferson and um, Richie Cole on alto sax. It was recorded two weeks before Jefferson's death in 1979. Also featured Bruce Foreman on guitar, Dick Heineman piano, Marshall Hawkins on bass, and Les DeMurrell on drums. There wasn't really anything about Eddie Jefferson's lifestyle that contributed to his death, not as far as we know, but for many jazz musicians. A partying lifestyle and addictions to drugs and or alcohol was often a contributing factor. But it wasn't a partying lifestyle that caused highly acclaimed guitarist Emily Remler to turn to hard drugs. When her marriage to pianist Monty Alexander ended in 1984, she stated she tried to destroy herself as fast as she could and began to use heroin and dilaudid, an opioid medication that was used to treat pain. She became hooked on the high it produces. It was very much believed that Dilaud had contributed to the heart attack that killed Remler in May 1990 when she was on tour in Australia. Here's something from one of her best-known albums from 1988 called East to West, Emily Remler and Dahoud. <laughs> Remler, with Hank Jones on piano, Buster Williams bass, and Marvin Smith drums. Dahood, written by Clifford Brown, another great musician struck down in his prime. Trumpet player and composer Clifford Brown was not a drug user or partier, and wasn't crazy about alcohol. Saxophonist Sonny Rollins said that Brown showed him that it was possible to live a good, clean life and still be a good jazz musician. He won Downbeat's Critics Poll for New Start of the Year in 1954. His death in 1956 at age 25 came about due to a car accident where Richie Powell's wife was driving he and her husband to their next gig and the car went off the road. Here he is in an album where he backed up the great Sarah Vaughan, a Richard Rodgers and Dorothy Field tune called It's Crazy from 1954.
2: I jump up at dawn, shake out the sun, laugh like a loon, everything is fun. It's crazy, but I'm in love. I act like a fool, what do I care, I'll be a fool as long as you're there. It's crazy, but I'm in love. I spread my wings and then I fly all around the city The world's my sweet potato pie And I'm sitting mighty pretty I sweep out the stars, chase that old moon Fall into bed, humming a tune It's crazy, but I'm in love, love, love Crazy, but i have in love. Shake out the sun Laugh like a loon Everything is fun It's crazy But I'm in love I act like a fool What do I care? I'll be a fool as long as you're there It's crazy But I'm in love I spread my wings And then I fly All around the city the world's my sweet potato pie and i'm sitting mighty pretty i sweep out the stars chase that old moon fall into bed humming a tune it's crazy but i'm in love
1: Clifford Brown, an amazing trumpet player who, even despite his short years of being on the planet, left a huge legacy. Also on that record is Paul Kinschette on tenor sax, Herbie Mann flute, Jimmy Jones on piano, Joe Benjamin on bass, and Roy Haynes drums. All backing Sarah Vaughan, another jazz musician who left us earlier than we would have liked. At the age of 66, dying of lung cancer, she was a heavy smoker. And that's what also killed the great Nat King Cole. Cole believed cigarettes gave his voice the rich timber that his fans were so enamored with, which meant that he remained a heavy smoker throughout his life. He died of lung cancer February 1965, shortly after an operation to remove his left lung. Little did he know that his cigarette smoking would be the beginning of the end. Here he is, with Oscar Moore on guitar and Johnny Miller Bass, the voice and piano of Nat King Cole. That's the beginning of the end.
3: When she don't sweet talk anymore Her kiss ain't like it was before It's time you added up the score, my friend That's the beginning of the end She keeps you waiting for a date Makes no excuse for being late Wake up and recognize your fate, my friend That's the beginning of the end What she's doing to you, she did to me But I was in love, so how could I see? Better get wise, you better beware Or one of these days you'll turn around and she won't be there Don't say that you were never told I know that character. When she starts straying from the fold, my friend, that's the beginning of the end. What she's doing to you She did to me But I was in love So how could I see Better get wise You better beware Or one of these days You'll turn around And she won't be there Don't say that you Never told. I know that character of old. When she starts straying from the fold, my friend, that's the beginning of the end. That's the beginning of the end.
1: The Nat King Gold Trio. This week, part one of How They Lived and How They Died. Let's talk about the great Jaco Pastorius, Joni Mitchell's favorite bass player. There's an article in grunge.com called The Tragic 1987 Death of Jaco Pastorius, the man who called himself the greatest bass player in the world, and many agreed, at least as far as the electric bass was concerned. He was with the jazz fusion group Weather Report from 1976 to 1982. He died after a confrontation in a bar. He had previously been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, and his erratic behavior in drug and alcohol abuse was well known by 1987. He was broke, divorced from his second wife, and sleeping in a park in his hometown of Fort Lauderdale. But he still loved playing music. September 11th, he jumped on stage at a Carlos Santana concert and ended up being thrown out shortly after. Then later he was outside one of the establishments from which he had been banned and he reacted by angrily kicking the club's door. The manager, Luke Haven, a martial arts expert, claims he acted in self-defense and struck Pastorius and he fell and hit his head on the pavement. However, an eyewitness claimed that the manager delivered a much more serious beating. Pastorius went into a coma for nine days and died September 21st. He was only 35 years old. He was best known for his virtuosic bass lines, utilizing Afro-Cuban rhythms and an octave technique, which had previously only been used on guitar, and uh, very fast chromatic runs. Here is one of his best-known compositions, The Chicken, and this is his July 1982 performance from the Montreal Jazz Festival, with Randy Brecker on trumpet, Bob Mincer reeds, Don Alias percussion, Othello, Molyneux and steel drums, and Peter Erskine drums. Jacko Pastorius, the chicken. Time for one more tragic death. A tenor saxophonist who played in the swing in the bebop era, Wardell Gray, where it had been claimed by some that his death was at the hands of the mob because his body had been found in the desert near Los Angeles with a broken neck. Later information revealed that he died of a heroin overdose and was found in his hotel room. But not wanting any police trouble, his friends moved his body to the desert, and in unloading the body, he fell to the ground and broke his neck. This was in 1955, and he was only 34. Here's his most famous composition, Twisted, with words later added by Annie Ross. It was also sung by Joni Mitchell. From 1949, the Wardell Gray Quartet with Al Haig on piano, Tommy Potter bass, and Roy Haynes drums. This is Larry Sadman, and you're listening to Discovering Jazz. Next week, I'll talk about Lee Morgan, Bix Beiderbecke, Charlie Parker, and others. How they lived and how they died. Bye for now.
0: Thank you.